I'm really excited to be here. Um, I just can't tell you, but real quick, talk about what the Lord said about the uh, helping for Feed, feed Rockdale. If, if you've never done it, come help. You will never have more fun than you will bagging popcorn. Right, Johnny? That's the, that's the yeah, bagging popcorn is awesome. So, For those of you that don't know me, I'm Bill Whitmire. Uh, I'll give you a short history. My history was too long the other night when we practiced this, so I'll give you a short history. I grew up in Giddings. Don't throw anything at me yet because you'll throw it at me later. Uh, after Giddings, I went to Baylor for a year, or a little over a year, but uh, I was real successful at being unsuccessful. I'm uh, going to put out a book called How to Avoid Success Without Really Trying. You're probably going to want to give it to your team. You're probably going to want it at the high school, right? You know, it's a good book. Uh, after that, I decided to save my parents some money. I joined the Navy. After 14 years, I was medically retired, came home, went to work for my dad in, in Cameron in the oil field, uh, doing oil and gas title work. A few years later, I was hired by a company, and I've worked for various companies. Currently, work for a company in College Station, uh, so I travel there every day. I actually live in Milano, and uh, that's just right next door to my mother, so I should say. Her and her 47 cats. If anybody wants kittens, talk to mother immediately after the service, okay? Uh, we, like Matt said, we have this preaching group that we have on Wednesday nights, and we have the opportunity to get up here and do this. And so Matt, about a, about a month and a half ago, Matt said, Bill, I need somebody for June the 23rd. I'd like for you to do that. And I said, sure. I mean, I talk in public all the time, and community events, community theater, this is where you don't throw anything at me. On the radio, for those that don't know, I'm actually the voice of the Cameron Yeoman Athletics. So, yeah. That was your, that was, he did that Wednesday night too. So, so you know, speaking in public is second nature to me. I, I have really zero problem doing it. And so when we got done Wednesday night, I got in the car with my son and I was talking to my son for a second about what happened in youth, and he's talking, he's talking, and then somebody texted him, and just like every teenager, immediately went straight to this. And so for 10 minutes, I'm thinking, man, 23rd of June, this will be great. And what did, I just, what did I just say yes to? Because talking in public, while it's nothing for me, it's, it's very easy. A lot of times when you're talking at community events, community theater, on the radio about sports, you're really not talking about much. You're just throwing information out there. But when you do something like this, you have the opportunity to touch people's lives and really say something meaningful. So then it hit me, and it was pretty humbling, actually. But you work on your faith. We're all here based on faith. When we come into church, even if we've never asked Christ into our heart, we're all here because we have a faith that things will change once we get here. And it's acting on that faith. And to me, this is an act of faith. I'm up here. I can do all things through Christ, and this is part of it. And so today's lesson is, is what that's based on. So before we get started with the scripture, we'll go ahead and say a, a quick prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for giving us all the opportunity to be here. Thank you for living in a country where we have the opportunity to, to gather together and worship you. In so many other countries, people don't have that opportunity. I pray that you would work through me to deliver a message that's meaningful to this congregation, and, and I pray for the folks in this con congregation that they would get something out of it that they can use throughout the week and for longer if possible. We thank you for all things in Christ's name. Amen. Today's scripture is going to be uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. If you, wanna, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Real quick, 
to get where we're going, we started this, I made the joke to Matt the other night that I was going to say, we started this back in 1979. And it was then and only then that I really thought about it, and I don't think Matt was born in 1979, so it wouldn't have been a great joke. For me, it was like, and then I really felt bad about myself, where, you know, but um, we have been in it since the first of the year, and Mark is a little different from the other Gospels. It really starts at the baptism of Christ, rather than at the birth or before the birth of Christ. But Mark is a different book than than Matthew and Luke and that it's very minimalist and, and I'm a minimalist guy. I like to read a book that just gives you the facts, what happened, who the characters are and lets you build the scene in your head. Matthew's very uh, liturgical, very scripturally sound. It's very philosophical. It has a lot of prophecy. Luke is, is very much kind of on the science of things, how it happened, why it happened. But but Mark just tells you what happened, and, and that's what we've been able to see through this. Mark's also the book that has, and because of that, it has the most miracles, has the most actions that Christ took. So Mark really looks at that three-year period of, of, of Christ's ministry. And as we've gotten to this point, this is, this, is, this is the last thing that happens before he gets to Jerusalem. The next week, we're going to talk about the triumphal entry. So this is the last miracle, the last thing that happens before Christ gets to Jerusalem. So we'll go ahead and read the scripture and then we'll talk about it. Starting with verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And he, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And when they called him, the blind man, saying to him, and when they called him, they said to the blind man, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Leading up to this last week, we had the third time Christ has told his disciples what's going to happen. And he's been very specific about it. He's going to go to Jerusalem. Things are going to seem cheery. He's going to be betrayed, arrested tortured, crucified, and then on the third day he's going to rise from the dead. And three times the disciples are right over their head. They think he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to take over the kingdom, and everything's going to be great. I look back at my son, who you guys have seen here before, Devin, and he's high-functioning autistic. One thing that he does not get is he cannot understand metaphors. And the disciples remind me of him. One day we left the grocery store, walked outside, and it was pouring rain. Typical Texas weather. It was sunny when we walked in. It's pouring rain when we walk out. And I said, oh, it's, it's raining cats and dogs. And he gives me this puzzled look on his face. He says, Dad, that, that's rain. <laughs> yes, son, that's rain. And that's where the disciples are right now. They're not getting what's fixing to happen. Last week, James and John asked to sit at his right hand and his left hand side when he gets on the throne of glory. And he told him, you don't want any part of what's fixing to happen to me. You don't understand what you're asking for. And they still don't understand. So as they're going from Jericho to Jerusalem, 
which is roughly maybe a mile or two longer than going from Cameron to Rockdale. It'll take them five or six hours. And the disciples, all they're thinking about is, we've got to get there, we've got to get our lodging, we've got to get our food, we've got to get everything set up for the week. You know, it's Passover, it's going to be hard to get some of this stuff, we've got to make sure we get everything. Jesus knows what's happening. He knows what's fixing to happen. He knows the pain. He's, he's, he's God in human form, but he's here, and he feels the pain. He feels the anxiety. He feels everything that's going on. But he knows where he's going. And he's got all that on his mind and the faith of where it's going. So they're all on this road, his followers, and all these pilgrims. Because this is Passover in Jerusalem. At this time, Jerusalem would grow to five, six, seven times its normal size. So you've probably got 2,000 people on this road. Now, normally this road is a pretty dangerous road. It's where the story of the Good Samaritan occurred. So it's normally pretty scary road to be on for just what would have been the normal group. It's a little safer this time, but even more. The disciples want to get there. Get off this dangerous road. Let's get there. So as they're leaving Jericho, it's a big point of traffic leaving Jericho. So you have beggars on the side of the road. Just like today when you're in Austin or in Houston and you're at big traffic points coming on the off-ramp, off-ramp of the interstate, and you'll see these guys with signs, any money will do. Well, just like today, back then, people would try to not make eye contact. I mean, if you're in your car or somebody's in their car, you've thought about this. I mean, you, you start fiddling with your radio. You might not have talked to your passenger for 30 minutes, and you'll turn to them and go, hey, man, them cowboys, whoo, boy, they're going to be pretty good this year, huh? Anything you can do not to make eye contact. And so here's Bartimaeus. He's a blind beggar, blind people back then, and lame people most people felt like they were pretty useless. You can't do much if you're blind. You can't do much if you're lame. I mean, if you're deaf, you could see, you could use your hands, you could do work. If you were mute, it's probably better because you couldn't even talk back. So you could still hear and see and do things. But if you were blind or you were lame, you couldn't do anything. And so here's this blind guy that his family probably brought him there, set him down, friends. They went into town, did their business, and then they would come back at the evening to pick him up and whatever money he made, he made. And he's sitting there. Says that he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming. Well, he probably, I mean, his ears are much like our eyes. You know, I have a deaf friend, and it's amazing. He can walk through a house that he's never been in, and when he gets close to the wall, he'll kind of turn from the wall because the sound waves will hit the wall, and it'll be quicker to his ear, and it, it kind of muffles it. So here's Bartimaeus. He's heard through the crowd, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. He can hear the scurrying on the road. And then suddenly, that shuffling, that sound dies down. Just like in a big room when you see that flag come down or in a parade route and you see the important person come out and everybody stops and looks and it gets quiet. Bartimaeus hears that and this is his chance. And he hollers out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's three things there. I mean, first off, this is eight words, but it's so powerful. First off, he, he calls him by name. He says, Jesus. And then he calls him the son of David, which the son of David is prophesied as being the ruler who will create a kingdom that will last forever. So essentially, he's calling him the Messiah. And his belief in him being the Messiah is huge at this point, because right now the disciples are still struggling with what's fixing to happen. But here's this blind beggar, the lowest of low, who's got it. And then he asks a simple question 
have mercy on me. He didn't ask to be healed. He didn't ask to be rich. He didn't ask to sit at the left hand or the right hand side of God on the throne. Have mercy on me. Not what I deserve. We all deserve one thing, and that's not a very pleasant thought. It's going to hell, but he asked for mercy. He asked for God's mercy. Most people in that crowd, well, not most, but a lot of the people in that crowd probably had wants, needs, desires that they wanted to ask Jesus for. And they wouldn't say anything. They were too nervous. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't act. A lot of times in our lives when we, have, we need something and that person comes to us, I don't know what it is, where you are, and they'll say, is there anything else you need? And you're like, no, no, I'm good, because we don't want to ask. And there were people in the crowd that didn't want to ask, but here's this blind beggar, the lowest and lowest. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's huge. There's a lot of courage there. And then the crowd shushes him. Shh, hush, hush. At which point, most of us, even if we'd have had the courage to act out initially, we would have dummied up right there. Okay, all right, all right, I get it. But not Bartimaeus. He gets louder and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. He stops and he calls on this beggar. Well, if you, if it's through our readings, you know the disciples are like, Oh, no. You know, they want to get there. They don't want to stop. They don't want any slowdowns. And they're like, oh, man, this is going to delay us. And Jesus says, call him. And Bartimaeus, the, the other people around say, get up, take heart. He's calling you. And they, they lift him up and he throws his cloak off. And while this is a simple act, it's huge. It, it really is huge. For, for, for in that time, the cloak was everything to a lot of people. It was your protection from the elements. It's what kept you warm. If you were traveling, it, it might be your bedding for the night. It was, an, it was a huge piece of clothing for people. And he just threw it to the ground. Well, it's not that big a deal. You go back and get it. Except he's blind. I, that same friend of mine, I was talking to him one time about what's his biggest fear when he's in public. And his biggest fear is that he might set something down, get up, walk away, and forget where he, where he left it. He said, when I'm at home, my house is very Spartan. I don't have a lot of things in my house, so it doesn't take me very long to find a lost article by feeling around in my house. But when he's in public, for instance, if he leaves his cell phone on the table, gets up, walks away, he may never find that thing again. And so here's this blind Bartimaeus, throws his cloak off. He's probably lost it forever. And it's, in, it's the, probably the most important possession he actually owns. But he throws it to the ground and goes to Christ because his faith tells him what's fixing to happen. He gets to Christ and Christ says, what do you want me to do for you? Same thing he asked the disciples last week. John and James came to him and instead of asking for mercy, they asked him, they told him, we want you to do what we ask you to do. And Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said they wanted to sit at the left hand and the right hand of God when he's, of Jesus when he's on his throne. Didn't say, you know, we want you to have mercy, we want this. They told him exactly what he wanted, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. It wasn't the way things work. But Bartimaeus, all he's asked for is mercy. And when Jesus asks him, what do you want, for, what do you want me to do for you? He simply replies, Rabbi, 
Let me recover my sight. Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. In, in the other stories, Jesus had to put hands on people. He had to lick his fingers. He had to do various different things to make a point to these people. But with Bartimaeus, he just simply says, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Because he had the courage and he acted on it. His faith has healed him. Since he was healed immediately. Immediately he recovered his sight. Now if you stop for this and think about it for a minute. I don't know if Bartimaeus was really blind his whole life or if he'd lost his sight. Back then in that time there was a lot of infections that would cause people to lose their sight, their sight very often. And it does say that he asked to recover my sight. So he probably, maybe when he was younger he had sight. We don't know. But the one thing we know is the first thing he saw when he opened his eyes and he could see again was Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? I mean, that would be, uh, that to me, that, when I read this story, that was the first thing that hit me was when he opened his eyes, he saw Jesus Christ, the first thing. And Jesus told him, go your way. And after he was healed, he followed, he turned and he followed Christ. He could have done anything. He could have gone back in the city, got a job. He could have gone back to his friends and said, look, I can see. And instead, he got on the road with the other people following Christ, and he followed Christ. Last week, we talked about service and having the, you know, working based on your faith in service. We talked about Feed Rockdale. We talked about it again this morning. Uh, vacation Bible School, Teaching Sunday School. We've talked about the Place of Hope where we're raising money for this. Food Pantry, the Thrift Store. There's all these great places for service. And, and that, it is a great place to start because it's easy. Because when you're there, you're surrounded by other Christians. You're surrounded by other people that want to do work. Where it gets hard is in your daily life. Acting on your faith in your daily life. In James it says, faith without work is a dead faith. As I said earlier, we all came in this door based on our faith in Jesus Christ and in God. But it's what we do with that faith. How we act on that faith. And there's, there's so many ways in your daily life. If you've ever, in your daily life, you've ever come across a situation and then 30 minutes later you're like, oh man, I, I should have helped that person. That was a chance. That was a chance to act on your faith. The nice thing about Feed Rockdale is we're feeding kids, but it also gives us the chance to reach out and do some outreach in the community for Christ, bring people to Christ, bring people to God. It's a huge opportunity. And in your daily life, you have those opportunities. I think Dolores mentioned that you have poverty right around the corner. And a lot of times we miss that. I know I do at times because you go the same route or you may not see it. But how many of us actually know our next door neighbors? Last year, Matt gave us these sheets and, and there was nine squares on it. And he asked us to get to know the neighbors in all nine spots. Now, for somebody like me, it's pretty difficult. I've got uh, one neighbor that lives about 300 yards away and then the next neighbor, not counting my mother. She lives like 150 feet away. I can throw a baseball to her back door. But the, our, our next neighbor is about 300 yards away, and then the next two neighbors are a mile away. So it's a little difficult for me, but I know them all, surprisingly. But for those that live in town, you share yards with these people. You share fences with these people. 
And how many of them do you know? There's an opportunity to act on your faith right there. Inviting people to church. That is one of the hardest things in the world for a lot of us to do. When we meet people and say, hey, why don't you come to my church? Matt told the story just about a month ago about somebody asked his father to come to church, and that's how he met Danielle. Danielle, I'm sorry about that, by the way. But that's how he met Danielle. Because somebody asked his parents to come to church. How many of us have asked people to come to church? It's a simple act of faith, but it takes some courage to do that. To pray with people, not just for people, but with people. I don't know if there's a few people in here that know my dad. And my dad is the biggest, I could fix that problem guy in the world. I think he said to me more in my life, son, this is what you need to do. He's probably said that, he said I love you probably more than that, but that's the second most thing that he's ever said to me. Son, this is what you need to do. And he can fix anything, except, except he can't. But there's a lot of times in our life when people will tell us about their problems and we can't do a thing in the world for them except pray. And the first time you say to somebody, let me pray with you, that's the biggest, most courageous thing you can do in a lot of cases because it's hard to say that with somebody. But I guarantee you, if you'll do that with somebody and you'll pray with them about their problem, you may not fix their problem, but you will both, at the very least, feel better about it and give them some more direction. So, I mean, just the little things. Saying grace in a public restaurant. We all will do it at home, but not many of us will do it in a public restaurant because it's awkward because everybody's looking at me. Let them look. That might be the thing that helps that person Go that next step. Go to church. All these things work together. God says, God wants to love us. He does love us. He wants us to love him. Acting on our faith is a great way to show our love for God. It's incredible. And remember, he called on a beggar. The lowest of low. A beggar. Because that beggar had the courage of faith. To act on his faith. And that made all the difference. Jesus knew everybody's problems in that crowd. All those people that wouldn't ask for help. That couldn't ask for help. He knew all their problems. But that beggar had the courage to act on his faith and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not fix my eyesight. Not give me money, but have mercy on me. That act of faith is what it took. He said, Jesus wants, to love, he wants us to love him. He loves us. He has faith in us. He wants to see us act on our faith. And he'll call on us. He'll call on you today, too, if you'll only ask him. In a minute, Matt's going to get up here, and we're going to have a hymn and decision. If you need Christ in your life, you want to ask him into your life, come down here. A lot of people take forever to come down here to join the church, to ask Christ into their heart. Because people are watching you when you walk down. But remember this. Those people that are watching you, they're not watching you, judging you. They're cheering you on. They're cheering you on. Because the people that are already there look at you and say, here's another one of us. He's coming to us. And the ones that maybe haven't taken that trip down the aisle yet, that might be the motivation they need. That might be the, I need to do this too. So don't be shy. Come down. Matt will be here in a second, and we'll have a hymn of decision.